The Tainting Love Network presents It's Getting Drafty in Here with Magnificent Stan. A show about nothing. Well, what's the show about? About nothing. With special guest. We're on the clock. And when are we sending in the ticket? I already sent the ticket. Hello, welcome to the first episode of It's Getting Drafty in Here. I am your host, Brian magnificent stan schmeranzer and it's i'm happy to be here this is going to be a great show it's going to be um about drafting random nonsense sports movies books anything we're going to do foods today today's episode is uh the chicago sports goat which chicago athletes do you think are the you know the finest the cream of the crop in um in sports so Today I have my guests, which are actually the the people that are helping me produce this uh, this series of podcasts, the Tainted Glove. Uh, we have Yumper. Hello, gentlemen. Essentially, my uh, podcasting Yoda has been teaching me uh, the ropes here about how everything's going. He's got a show himself called the Yumper and Spo at the Show, where they do a great job going over movies and uh, and and mixing it up. Uh, we also have Svo on the show. How you doing, Svo? BS. What's up, buddy? Going on, pal. Uh, he is also the other half of Yumper and Svo. Um, the, the lesser half. The lesser half. If if you must. <laughs> we also have the Godfathers, the OGs of the uh, the Tainted Glove Network. We got uh, our, our guy Aloha, Mister Hand, who is apparently a uh, gentleman of uh, interesting character. It's questionable character. Questionable. Right. I apologize. I apologize. It's questionable character. As you can right. tell, I'm a tiny bit nervous Fellas, how's here. how's it going? Right on. And then we got the Reverend Kfids, the other half <laughs> of the Tainted Glove, who also hosts the Pinwheels and Ivy Ah, you're show. fine. No worries. We're happy to have you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Should be a good night. We're going to draft some goats. And uh, we cannot, though, uh, vote for Goat Boy, which is different. Um <laughs> She's your fan of Jim Brewer. Damn it. Screwed up my whole draft strategy. I know. Remember <laughs> That's all. We'll go. Okay. There. So let's jump right into it. We did a, a randomizer recently where we um uh created the draft order. The drafts, all of our drafts will be in snake order, meaning if you're not if you're not a fantasy football nerd like the rest of us, uh whoever drafts last in each round will go first in the next round. Uh, Aloha, Mr. Hand, with the possibly the easiest pick in the history of the world. Um, unless he wants to shock the world with some type of sleeper. <laughs> you know, there's an obvious one right there that you can't really ignore. But there's another candidate I was thinking of that, you know, his his leadership skills are just so off the chart that you can't quantify it, it you know you can't quantify him because his leadership skills are so off the chart but you're gonna go tony LaRusso at one I was just about to say that i am gonna go with does he speak spanish <laughs> i am going with as you can see i am holding up a piece of memorabilia it is the december 10th 1984 sports illustrated cover that announces a star is born Michael Jordan lights up the NBA. This is who it has to be. As I've said, 
for years, there are only two untradeable, untouchable athletes in Chicago sports in my lifetime. He was number one, and I would fully expect number two. Uh-oh. Oh, man. The podcast sponsor got him. We're off oh, the rails neighbor, already, man. Five, four his minutes. Neighbor in. killed his internet. <laughs> well, let's fill for Mike. Let's fill for Michael Jordan for for uh, for Pete over here. I mean, um, I think that one probably leaves the least amount of explaining of any pick, uh, just because it is the the goat of goats. Hey, hey, Brian, can you do me a favor? Can you put an asterisk next to Michael Jordan in that field because he's not just the Chicago sports goat; he is the goat of goats. Goat. Yeah, goat of goats. So, that is correct. like. I think I think Michael Jordan with the first overall pick deserves an asterisk. Means nine of them. Stop me if I'm wrong here, Yump and Fitz. Okay. Stop. Okay. So I'm wrong. Then get rid of the asterisk. Wait, what? Oh no, no. You told me to told me to. I was just doing what you told me to do. I mean, you got you got not only sports, but he but he was so damn popular, he dug into everything. Movies. Mm -hmm. Colognes, obviously was, the shoes. It he was, was also the only one that could defeat the Monstars. <laughs> the point, him and Bill Murray, I mean, McDonald's, and Bill, yeah, and um, Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> also, uh, Coca Cola had his own song for him, like Mike. It's true. Yep. Gatorade too. Do the Gatorade campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the, like main guys to do the uh, the Gatorade campaign. Yeah, he's the goat of all goats, not just the Chicago goat. I mean, it's you think back to the commercials from Spike Lee. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? I mean, you got you got a whole pop culture. The, the idea of marketing athletes started. Um, he is the alpha and the omega of it. He started it. He was it. Like it was the first major marketed player that just took everybody's imagination. I mean, people that didn't even watch basketball had Jordan jerseys. Like it was insane. Well, and you think about how close it was to not being that uh, huge just because uh, I mean, he. He took a chance on Nike at that point. Nike was wasn't much at that at that point. And he he said, hey, I'll help you grow this. And they let him do whatever the hell he wanted. And he and he took it over. And imagine Actually, you're the trailblazers and you took Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan. <laughs> he hated he hated the idea of signing with Nike. He wanted to assign with Adidas and his mother made him take the visit to uh, Beaverton. And it was all it was all history from there. He did not want to sign with Nike. It's kind of like when Bobby Hurley didn't want to sign with ITZ. But also when Bobby Hurley didn't want to wear a seatbelt. Oh, God. Ow. Ow. <laughs> but uh, with Jordan, Ow. it's just amazing that Jordan is still talked about how his greatness. Uh, everybody knows he owns the Charlotte Hornets, but the man has no social media presence. But yet his greatness is still known to the newer generation, not just because of the LeBron-Jordan debate, but just for the fact of his impact on the game. His shoes still sell out. Number three is synonymous with greatness. Yeah. And everybody talks about 6-0 in the finals. Did any of you guys ever read uh, Bill Simmons' book of basketball? Not only have I read it, but I waited in line for five hours to meet him to have him sign it. Bill Simmons, his before he became a tool, is one of my all-time favorite sports writers. Agreed. Agreed. He, he dug into pop culture and tied it into sports so well. Um, but in the book, he, he went over how Michael Jordan had what he what was it? he i think he called it the fuck you i'm taking over uh gene where it didn't matter who you were i was taking that game like he he was that guy that just it did not matter who the hell you were he was going to beat you no matter what 
it was uh it was appointment television when he was playing on primetime. You knew where you needed to be. He still gets four hundred bucks a month for me every month when I buy sneakers. <laughs> I have never bought a pair of Jordans in my entire life. I got weird feet, but me neither. Me neither, actually. Yeah, I used to use yeah. flights. I I bought flights. I don't know what was it. It was a obsession with flights. I bought I the PF flyers. I was an old man early. I was all into New Balance. What's, you had the uh, you love the Carl Malone catapults. Yes. Do they do they okay. serve some sort of orthopedic function? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's let's not dig into that. Uh, <laughs> gear, amazing. Right. The only the only pair of expensive gym shoes I ever had growing up was the layer I had the grandmamas. Oh, well, that's. Oh. Those they're, they're, you just made Fids's day because I here's exactly where he's going to go next. He's going to say UNLV running rebel legend is what he's going to say next. No, no, that's not. Let's, was... let's bring Jerry Tarkanian in here. We, here <laughs> I, he has to say. I, I love Tark. Those teams are fun to watch. Funny story. I, I so I taught his grandson uh, Alex, and Alex, we did uh, we have a Jaws project we do every year in our, our film class, and um, they chose to do the scene where they're shoving into the water, and he says, you know, you're going to need a bigger boat, and well, Tark. Uh, in all of his glory, decided that in the video he was going to actually play the shark. So there's actually a, a project that exists where he pops out of the water. Jerry Tarkanian's grandson, Jerry the Tark, the shark, Tarkanian, his grandson pops out of the water and goes, just goes, ah, I'm a shark, and pops back into the water. <laughs> Did you see how they portrayed him in the, the Lakers show on HBO? Oh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> There are stories, man. There are stories around this town. Uh, Fid, yeah, I was going to say, Fitz, you're close to that program, and you know more than probably anybody here, but, like, how dirty was that program in the 90s? It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't any less dirty than the other programs. It just, it, it was more showy. So people, I mean, there was a lot of, dist- like, because of who the, the type of players the Tarkanian brought in. He brought in the kids from the rough areas, and it wasn't as uh, marketable as some of the other schools like Kansas who, you know, didn't. And so it just became one of those things. I mean, I mean, it's weird to see Mike Krzyzewski's career kind of build and, and and that duke you know unlv kind of thing that the, especially those last few years where like things started to fall apart here but i mean the only guy that sued the ncaa and got paid a million dollars for it so not as dirty as one would think just as dirty as by the media and i see Alo- aloha mr hand is back with us we've been uh we've been filling with some uh, unlv stories and some some shoe stories um and then uh Spoded ask us to put an asterisk what's up fellas i'm Jordan. back <laughs> so uh Spo had asked us to okay. put an asterisk text to Michael Jordan's name because he's the greatest of all time, not just the greatest in the history of Chicago. And that's a fair, fair, uh fair addition yeah. there. Yeah, that's fair enough. Absolutely. All right. You ready, Spo, for second pick here? Yeah, I mean I, I, I don't think I need I don't think I need to waste much time here with the second overall pick. Like Michael Jordan was the consensus consensus number one. So we're gonna go with sweetness. Yeah, the I, running back in NFL history, Walter Payton. I felt um, like that was the consensus number two, so that yeah. <laughs> that works out. This My, is where it diverges from here too, though. At this point, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But uh, Walter is, you know, yeah. still to this day one of my favorite players mm-hmm. to watch video and highlights from. And um, I, I remember my old man taking me to the car show um, at McCormick Place, and like, like on his shoulders before I was a fat ass, and like getting to reach out and touch Walter's hand as a little kid amongst this crowd of people. Um, and I'll always love Walter. I, and I don't hold it against him that his son went to Miami. His son is a very good dude. I actually grew up uh, knowing him. We went, we went to different schools, mm-hmm. but we used to see him on like group trips with like the schools in the district. 
Yeah, and he didn't um, play football played, at St. Vider till like his senior year. No, he played. He played. No, he played early on. I played against him actually. He he played it. He played freshman year. Yeah, um, he played before high school though. Actually, he played for the Pegasus Soccer. Uh, he was a soccer player. He was Pegasus one of the best soccer. under eighteen soccer players in the country. Yeah. Um, I sacked him. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, it was cool though. You he sacked you him. Well, he went to Vider. I went to Hersey, and um, I only I only played a couple games of football. I hurt my knee. But uh, I I sacked him and I looked over and and Walter was like an assistant coach. So it was kind of cool, like see Walter Payton while you're playing football. It's kind of cool to see Walter Payton on the sidelines. I had a homer at Hersey my senior year, actually. Ah, nice. It's got to be intimidating as hell, though, too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Everybody so wants to show up, and he, you know, because and it... exactly. And uh. You know, the, the thing about Peyton, too, about his son was, uh, for some reason, they made him a quarterback uh, the first couple of years. And then he, and then they made him a running back, like sophomore, junior year, and he really took off. But, uh, but yeah, good guy. Um, the thing I love about Peyton is not only was he one of the greatest running backs in the history of the game, arguably the best, he did everything. Mm-hmm. The hits, the the blocks, he mm-hmm. caught the ball, he, he threw the ball. The ball. He did everything. The guy was a damn machine. And, and he uh, took a beating over his life. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 He also gave a beating, though, too. He ran hard. Yeah, he yeah. used to run people over, man. He, he did not care who was in front of him. He was going to take him on. He bounced. It was so cool. Just when he would bounce off a defender, it was always so fun to watch. Just the... and, it was, and it was almost like a pirouetting style. It was like a ballet style. Out. Yep. We used actually... to punch people in the face. We actually, uh, at Rita, we had um, one of our baseball coaches and football coaches there. His name is Jay Standering. Uh, his kid played for um, Wisconsin, and his other kid played for Northwestern. But uh, he has one of his good friends is Mike McCoy, who used to play. Uh, he was an end for the Green Bay Packers. And he came in and spoke to us uh, one year at baseball camp. Uh, and he was talking to us about, like, just drive and professional passion. And he talked about Walter Payton and how... They're playing the Bears, and he goes. He ran, saw Peyton run up the sideline, so he got in front of him, and he said the next thing he remembers is Walter Peyton's foot just going over his chest and running and running into the end zone. He's like, he totally just barreled over me. And this guy's like six five. He's like, Peyton just completely blasted me, took me over. Yeah, he goes. He goes. I never, I never had got hit that by hard any by any human in my life. Wow. He goes. That's how good he was. <laughs> And then the stories of him going up the hill and his mm-hmm. training regiment was just bonkers. And his house was right there by on, on Palatine. You could see it. Like whenever I go to Willow Creek with my dad, we'd always you see the he, paint um, house right up there we, on the road. We used to go trick or treating in his neighborhood, and they always gave out the only the best the thing I remember about him. They always gave out like the full like giant sized like Snickers bars at his house on Halloween. The hill was in Barrington, right? Yeah. He that's lived in Barrington. He lived, yeah. That's where his house was. By Willow yeah. Creek, that big mm-hmm. old church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to the next one. Uh, K Fitz, what you so got? This this is, oh, good. This is the off the rails pick. Yeah, be, we, there's so many options. Mm-hmm. And for me, obviously, this is going to go for my demographic as well. And I'm sure Yump will agree as we're both Cub fans. But for me, there's probably, I mean, I've, you know, there's been a lot of guys that I've been a huge fan of and as far as sports in Chicago, but there is no single individual player that I could say has impacted and drew me in especially as much as uh, over the course of my lifetime especially in those more more uh um impressionable days i guess you'll call it and so uh, I, I would sit there even when i was i remember being you know four four years old sitting in my great grandma um or my great aunt zell's house in mississippi when i go visit just sitting down drinking a coke from the bottle 
big tall bottle just to make sure every afternoon when I was visiting, we would watch Ryan Sandberg uh, take the field and play for the Cubs. And Ryan Sandberg for me was uh, without a doubt, the most influential and impactful uh, player. You know, I mean, the things that he did, this, you know, I had a um, poster on my wall and the speak softly, carry a big stick poster. Um, I used to intentionally like deface Steve, Steve Sachs um, pictures and paintings if I could, just because I hated him so much because he was the uh, rival North, you know, national league second baseman. The consistency of the way he played. I mean, he went 123 straight games, 584 chances without making an error. Um, you know, he 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 just played the game the way that I, I appreciate it. And um, you know, especially that time period, you know, he 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 just was everything. He was the household name, and everything that I did, whether it was how I focused on a you know as, as a player myself, how to how I I focused as 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 hard as I possibly could to be a great defender because I understood how important that was as being a multifaceted player. And and I would emulate his stance. And, and, you know, when me and my dad would play wiffle ball, that was the stance I'd always emulate. So uh, there's just everything about Ryan Sandberg drew me into being a Cubs fan. And, uh, I, you know, as a, as a fifth-generation Cub fan, you know, we all have our own players that we loved. And Sandberg will always be the first and the, and the one that really kind of meant it all for me. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was something else, man. He, you know what's funny about Sandberg is if he played today, he would get, he would get beat up by the analytics people because he doesn't get on base as much as... Uh... <laughs> but, but, I mean, second baseman could, could hit 40 homers, could steal 30, 40 bases. And then the defense, it was... Yeah, he's bonkers. Bonkers player. Yeah, he, um, he was very, very good on defense, but he wasn't as flashy as some right. would say. He never dove for a ball. Uh, that was like everyone. That's always, always I was told about like, oh, you like Ryan Sandberg? He doesn't die for balls. And I'm like, who gives a shit? He catches them. Yeah, he made, perfected the uh, the the backhand. He never gets his uniform dirty. Yeah, that was he would always backhand and short hop. That long hop across the, uh, across the diamond. I used to love it too. It's actually we worked on a practice even as a coach. That backhand being able to skip it like like you're throwing a rock across a, a pebble across the lake. Just one hopper, perfect. Yeah, get rid of it quick. I think I told you guys a story. Like uh, my dad used to take me to. Um, Sox Park a lot, you know, when we were, I was younger and like my, I grew up loving Joey Cora, like Joey Cora. I, well, I played second base and I caught, you know, all the way through college. So Joey Cora was my dude growing up. And then I happened to see Ryan Sandberg on TV. And like, that's why I became a Cub fan was just to watch him play. And when he retired in 94, it broke my heart. But when he came back, I was so happy, but though it wasn't like his best years, but it was, you know, like awesome. And then to finally meet him later, uh, did, He's put a big impact on, you know, just not just the sports city of Chicago, but also in terms of, you know, he kind of revolutionized the second base position as a power hitting position. He did. Yeah, there really were up until that point. I mean, you hadn't seen anything like him at second base in decades. And, you know, he 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 was a non-steroid guy in an era of steroids, too. I mean, and, 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 and he 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 was very vocal against especially after he retired, though, his Hall of Fame speech was was beautiful to me um, when he called out you know, the cheaters in the game and just the way that he knows that he played. I mean, he's a guy that could look himself in the mirror. I know he has a reputation of being kind of a dick, um, but you know what? It's okay. I mean, he's played ball the way that he did. I mean, he's from, you know, from, from Montana, you know, so he's comes from a hard neck place. I know his parents and him had a, I mean, he had an Aaron Rodgers kind of relationship with his family. I heard from what I heard too, at, at one point, but he's, he's been such a great guy for, you know, with the Cubs organization when he was managing, you know, I think it was, was he in Iowa, the Iowa. Yeah, uh, he actually went up job. Peoria, and then I think he went up to Iowa. Yeah, he just, but he that was a very different him. I know I, I, he was very good with the fans. He was always, you know, I know he, whenever they were playing um, New Mexico, uh, Albuquerque, he would always. My dad would always. My dad used to sing the uh, national anthem before the Albuquerque Dukes game or whatever they're called now, Isotopes or whatever. 
And he would always, my dad would always gravitate and talk, you know, when they were in town and say, hi, hey, and they would talk all the time. He's just a good guy. Also, right? His personality. He's also a really good. He was also a really good teammate. I mean, he shared his wife with. His, I was gonna make that joke. You beat me to it. Dave Martinez. Only Swell will bring that up. Davey Martinez too. Rafael Palmero. Palmero too. Yeah. Girardi too. Apparently. Oh. Oh, Girardi too. I never knew that one. Yeah, that was another guy I've ever heard. Slam piece. Slam piece. Cindy Sandberg. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Girardi. I did ask Dave Martinez about it one time. Oh boy. Point blank said, "Hey, how was Cindy Sandberg?" No, no wonder they say you have questionable you character, up. man. You're gonna ask Dave Martinez that question? Come on, buddy. <laughs> I was in what is now the bullpen sports bar when I did it. When Davey Martinez was playing right field for the White Sox. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go on to the next one, which is me. Um, you know, I had one in mind. Um. Hey, Fids, with the passion, I, I'm, I'm changing it. I'm changing it. I'm going to get a little personal. Frank, I'm going to go Frank Thomas. Now, I was, a ba- I was a baseball fan growing up, but up until the early 90s, I really didn't pay much attention to it. I more watched basketball because uh, Michael Jordan was on the TV, and Michael Jordan could fly, and I'm, you know, 10 years old. Um, Frank Thomas changed the way I watched sports. I mean, that guy was, whenever he got up, you watched. Um, even when, even when he was drawing three walks before he was hitting up, you know, a 430 foot Homer guy is, uh, the best hitter in my opinion, in the history of Chicago. Um, nobody, I don't think we'll ever see a guy that can get on base and hit for power at the levels that guy was able to do it. Um, obviously his, his glove was as good as his ability to run, uh, record labels, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Frank Thomas was my guy, and I'm gonna go with him with my first pick. Uh, and you know, my love for the White Sox keeps growing and growing and growing to the point where I now have, you know, second year in a row, I have a 40 game plan in the in the park, and uh, and I and it's all because because of, of him. I mean, I loved Harold Baines too, but Frank Thomas was was my guy, and uh, and yeah, I I had another another uh, pick in mind, but. Uh, Wanted to uh, wanted to give uh, give Frank that honor. That's a that's a good uh, good pick, Frank. Uh, mm-hmm. Frank was compared a lot to uh, Ted Williams, at least when I was growing up. I know um, mm-hmm. just for a hitting as- uh, point, his uh, pure hitter, um, probably one of the best like that combine combine both power and average. Um, he was if very consistent when helping. Place more emphasis on OPS. Um, that they do now in the 90s, they would have considered him the greatest player, him, him and Bonds, to be the two best hitters ever. Should have been a three-time MVP winner. Yes. In Giambi. So I, I actually go. should, I would say it should have been a four-time. Because of the, because of the strike year? His numbers, he won the I hate to say it this way, but if you look at his numbers with in 2006 with Oakland, that's another MVP season there. I know... Justin Morneau won, but I would say Frank was the MVP that year. White Sox legend Justin Morneau, <laughs> <laughs> and, Th- and Thomas also kind of when he went to Oakland, he changed his approach. He became just a just a pull hitter at that mm-hmm. point, and he just was ripping, sh- just ripping shit down the line left and right. Yep. 
All right. If I'm gonna go. make fun, if I'm gonna make fun of Ryan Sandberg, I gotta I gotta nitpick Frank Thomas here from an absolute terrible teammate, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bo Jackson's biography, autobiography, just rips Frank apart as a teammate in the locker room. So okay. The only thing I'll say, I, I don't doubt that, but Bo was no picnic either. Yeah, yeah was Bo was a little rough. Bo's a prick. You could talk to my sock summer about that one. Oh, I'm, oh I know. I've had my <laughs> I've had my encounters with Bo too. I yeah. So I was doing an autograph signing that Bo was at. He was scheduled to sign at noon, right? So I show up there at eleven fifteen, and I run into Harold. And he's like, "Why are you here?" I said, "Oh, I'm here to get Bo." He's like, "Bo already left." I'm like, what? He's scheduled to start at noon. He came in at nine, said, I want to sign now. Signed then and left. So I had to get my money back. <laughs> I've heard multiple stories like that over the years. Like any any charges astronomical amounts of money for signings. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he well, won't I... sign. Yeah. And he won't sign the, the 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 picture with the shoulder pads and the bat. He won't sign that. He won't sign anything with um What's his name from Auburn? The other uh, Heisman winner. Quarterback. James, oh. is it Winston? Cam, oh, Newton? Cam Newton? Cam Newton. Thank you. It was Cam Newton. James he is won't a sign anything with Cam Newton on it. I'll say this about Big Frank. I don't though. blame him on that one. Big Frank, I uh, a couple, like last year or two years ago, me and my fiance, we went to Lacave here for brunch on Mother's Day. And it's a really nice little thing. It was, it's like an all you can eat brunch. Like it's awesome. Like you just eat all day. Well, we were I literally. Mean, at the table right next to Frank Thomas and his his wife or girlfriend or or both whatever um and i can tell you at least from that cuz again we're we're close enough to be a fly on the wall you know you can tell a lot how someone treats their service industry um uh those in the service industry especially here in Vegas and he was absolutely the coolest dude ever towards his server people were you know they would come over and talk to him and they took pictures and he was I, there was no it, it was smiles and you know, even when people left, he was just right back to. I didn't hear him go, "Oh, that dumb son of a bastard!" You know, leave me alone. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't grumble. He just went right back to like enjoying his his brunch with his with with his uh, his significant other. And it was like, so I I mean that one that one kind of stood to me. I'm like, wow, it's pretty cool. And actually, when I left, I just I didn't want to bug him. Carries my my friends like, why don't you say hi to him? I'm like, I'm not gonna say hi. No, he's eating. He's bot- I I texted KB. I'm like, hey, I shouldn't bother Frank Thomas, right? You would hate that too. And he's like, yeah, dude, that's the dick move. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. So I did. Well, and well, I heard I heard the same thing say, that he was nice I to people at his brewery. Jen met him at his brewery. Um, his his beer sucks. Yeah, I though. met him at his brewery. Yeah, his beer was garbage. Oh, All the beer, awful. yeah, the beer was ass. So he's not going to be drafted <laughs> as a beer um, yeah. brewer or a record label uh, owner. But maybe, yeah. but yeah, maybe as maybe as a producer, yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> as a dick <laughs> pill. Uh, yeah, maybe as uh, a boner uh, pill. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. working out pretty well. And he's also yeah, isn't he the uh, part of the uh, Field of Dreams? He, yeah, team now developed. Oh yeah, yeah. He, him and a group own that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in charge of it. He's the he's but, the figure. But now they're not yeah. going to do I any more say, MLB games there, so he kind of. Uh, they're not going to well, do any more MLB they games won't. next year because they're totally renovating it. But that doesn't mean they're not. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're trying to renovate it for uh, Little League but, World Series to be held there. Oh, that's a great idea. I love that place. I was there. He's, about been, he's a different guy ago. since he got elected to the Hall of Fame. I, I never had like a bad experience him. I heard he I heard game. fans who said that he was kind of a dick, um, from Frank when they would ask him for autographs. But I never had a bad experience with Frank when I would see him at the games. He was always waved to fans and whatnot. Uh, Ozzy Guillen, on the other hand, he was a complete dick when I was a kid. But that's a whole <laughs> other story. Um, that's another reason why I don't like Ozzy. 
But um, yeah, my, and my wife is a huge Frank Thomas fan. She met him at his brewery. She said he was totally awesome. He took pictures with her and like hung out with them for a little bit. That's awesome. Well, let's get on with the next pick here. We're uh, we're running this first round uh, pretty long here. Uh, <laughs> let's go, Yump. What do you got? All right. So mine is actually caught between two people, but I'm going to go with the person's name who was synonymous with Bears football here that we kind of get tired of hearing about. And he's a Hall of Fame player and he brought the chicago bears only super bowl to chicago and that's mike dicka yep whether you like him or not dicka is uh you know world famous he was on fucking skits from snl he's done a million commercials he was really big on monday night football i mean he's still known today fights with the media yes (laughs) love getting in fights with the media (laughs) but he's like not just chicago known he's like across the nation if not world known yep that's the cool thing point. about Ditka is how good of a tight end he was. He kind of revolutionized that position too, because at that point, like they were just blockers. He got in there and he and he took over. And he and we were talking about Walter Payton running people over. You watch clips of, of Ditka, he just totally just ravaged people with a flat top. And yep. And wasn't he the first person or the first tight end elected to the Hall of uh, Football Hall of Fame? I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah. yeah. What? If not the first, maybe the second, something like that. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen lists where it's got him three best tight ends of all time. I don't, I don't agree with that, but, you know, what do you got? Who was it, Keller Winslow and John Mackey in front of him? Tony Gonzalez? Antonio Gates? Yeah. Kenneth Sharp? I think I queued it up right, but this is an old one. Come on. (laughs) You got a wife at home. Think about that. I'm her Ditka. <laughs> You're not first this almost ready, Todd, so that you can fully enjoy tuning into the Bears. I'm sure they're gonna kick ass, darling. They're the best. But you know something? This is the best. You're my Ditka. My Ditka. My Ditka. I can't go wrong with that one. That, I mean, that whole sketch is based on Mike Ditka. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all they're doing is talking like Mike Ditka. <laughs> all so it good. is. Yeah, you can't oh. go with Ditka. Well, we got a sandwich pick here, Yumper. What do you, what, what do you got? You said you were trying to decide between two. You could pick. Yeah, um, my next pick is going to go to the men on the ice. And like I said, it was kind of a wedge pick between the two of them. But I'm going to go with Patrick Kane. Brought three rings to Chicago in, I think, first time in, I think, 60 years, Pete. I could be wrong. Maybe 50 years. Was the Hawks' last one? Uh, 49. 49. Okay. Actually, so. Yeah. 61 to 2010. Cool. And they won uh, three rings in the in five, uh, six years, right? Every yeah. uh, Yep. Three rings in six years. Yes. So, uh, Patrick Kane, he's picked number one when he was 18, and he's scoring goals and still playing well, even today, so. Yeah. Right on. He, uh. I I mean, in Chicago sports lore, those Blackhawks teams and the Bulls are the only two dynasties any of us are, have ever seen and probably will ever see, um, when, in the city. I mean, I mean, you can dig back to the Bears at the you know the 30s, but you know, outside of that, we haven't really reality, had a run. In reality, they were a game seven against the Kings away from four cups in yeah. six years. Yep. They should have won back to back. Um. And when it's all yep. said and done, Patrick Kane will go down as the best American-born hockey player in NHL history. 
I think he's already there, to be honest. Statistically, I think he's still got some ways to go to catch. What is, I think it's Mike Madano, but um, yeah, it's he's not far, and he's he's on, no, and he's still I, he's still producing. He's he's a good writer in the cap. I I, I think he's Eclipse Madano. I mean, maybe I don't think statistically he has yet. Yeah, Madano is, has him by this article is from 2021. Madano has him about by about 200 more points and. McCain scores more points per game than Madonna. So that's as far as those statistics. He has, looks like Madonna. Yeah, I, think, I think Kane's got more hardware than Madonna, too. Definitely more. Oh, for sure. But Kane also had a guy named Jonathan Taze and Marion Hosa to help him. And don't forget Duncan Keith. But yes. The whole team, the whole, the, all, all of those teams were stacked. Brent Seabrook and Marion Hosa and Duncan Keith and, you know, Nick, Nicholas Yarmerson. Like, those teams were fun to watch, man. Doesn't isn't Brett Hull the the number one on that? For American born? Yeah, he's Canadian. I think is Brett he Canadian? Hull, I think Brett Hull's Canadian. Okay, I okay. Mm-hmm. I'm bit my bad. Sorry, I don't know hockey very well. <laughs> <laughs> Hockey's not my thing. Derek Henry um, just scored a touchdown for you, Fids. He's got two already. He's got two, and he's already at 100 yards. He's killing it in the first half. I'm already. I already won my league. My one league. I, I'm up, up one point. I'm, I, that just put me over. Holy shit! Yeah, Brett, I, Brett Hall was born in Belleville, Canada. Okay, right on. Well, let's move on to the next one. Um, I'm gonna go with the guy I was gonna get in the first round because he's still there. I'm gonna go Dick Butkus. He's as close to a literal bear that ever played for the Chicago Bears. I mean. <laughs> You watch the clips of him. I I, I disagree. I kinda... Okay. I, I was going to say, I disagree because Ditka, if you look at his face, he looks like the bear logo. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> the, the bear's logo even has a mustache. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a large forehead and a mustache. Five head, if you There you go. Now, uh, Butkus, you know, he didn't play that long. I mean, what was it like, thirteen years, something like that? And uh, only like seven or eight. No, he played longer than that. Um, oh, I'm almost positive. Sixty-five to seventy-three. Okay, my bad. Um, I think I think that's a fantastic pick because not only is he like from Chicago, like mm-hmm. went to U of I. Yep. Like, just that's a that's a perfect pick right there. Like true Chicago guy. Yep. Also, social media, darling. Is that even? Yes. I, I, that's somebody. It's totally doing that, no. Right? It's totally him doing it. Like he, uh, he was on um, Comcast Sportsnet, uh, NBC Sportsnet, their football show. That's all him. He said that he his son helps him a little bit with like to post certain stuff, but everything that's written that's him. I'm just hoping it one day becomes the Iron Sheik on Twitter. It was absolutely <laughs> hilarious when he took over the Bears TikTok. Yeah, when he had like shots of his pocket. <laughs> and then you you can't you can't forget that uh he was such a wonderful actor. Um yeah. he was he was he replaced Reggie Theus on the TV show Hang Time on uh Saturday mornings on NBC. It took, you, it took you 36 minutes to get your Reggie Theus name drop in there. It took you I won six minutes. I won the draft already. He's also Thanks. in uh Last Boy Scout and then he was in Unnecessary Roughness. He was also in a yeah. Jerry Lewis film called Cracking Up. 
where he was the guy that helped Jerry Lewis's character quit smoking. Every time that Jerry Lewis would try and light a cigarette, Dick Butkus would be in disguise and would pop out and punch him in the face. <laughs> like it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like it, he would, he's like, uh, how many, you know, Dick Butkus is all calm. I mean, in the interview, he's like, so um, how many packs a day would you say you smoke? And Jerry Lewis's character is like, oh, I don't know, maybe three, four, five, five, maybe might be five, five, five packs a day. And then all of a sudden, Buck is five packs. Are you nuts? <laughs> he's like just a big old right. One, he's literally at one point he's painted white as a statue, and he's like standing there as like a like a Greek statue. And Jerry Lewis tries to light up a cigarette, and he like comes out and pops him, punches him right in the face. It's called cracking up. One of my arguably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Jerry Lewis films of all time. Older Jerry Lewis too. He says drops the f word a lot. He would have been fantastic in uh, Blazing Saddles as Mongo. I mean, nobody beats mm-hmm. Alex Harris. He was freaking perfect. <laughs> Mongo. But, but he would have fit. He'd have been great. Just remember, Mongo only pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> Such a good do you watch uh, Do you watch Bachamania, Brian? Yes. When he goes, here comes Mongo. <laughs> That's what I think about whenever I hear that. <laughs> oh, poor Mongo. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll give him a, a, a spot in the draft tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, K-Fids, what you got, buddy? All right. Well, for me, again, I guess it just happens to be falling to me, but I'm going to go back to an emotional pick too, because this is now, I, I did select my favorite uh, Cubs player uh, for me, someone that, that meant a great deal. Uh, I'm going to go with Ernie Banks uh, with my next pick as Mr. Cub, um, a, my dad's favorite player of all time. He's a 14-time All-Star, two-time MVP, a Gold Glove winner home run leader twice, RBI leader twice. He's retired. He's in the Hall of Fame. And he's genuinely one of the most personable, happy ambassador for the game of baseball. Uh, I mean, the Cubs, you know, when, when we were going through our lovable loser um, millennium, the um, <clears throat> fact that he would constantly be the, the smiling face, let's play two, let's have a baseball, it's, it's play ball, not work ball. And it's a beautiful day for a ball game. Yeah, and so and I sit there. I used to watch him on the old home run derby TV show. You know, the it's a home run or run out on home run derby. Ernie Banks, Rocky Colavito, like the that field whole, on that looks so cheesy, man. Uh, <laughs> they put like fake ivy up and everything. Wasn't but, it? It was a TV studio, wasn't it? It was. I mean, no, oh, the home run. It was. A, it was a, a field. It was an actual park. Okay. Yeah, it was an actual park. Yeah, they. And, but just just Ernie Banks. What he meant to my father. Uh, you know, when he passed away, that was a really rough time. My dad. You know, that really hit my dad pretty hard. Uh, just because it's again, it's his favorite player. I mean, uh, we have all of his, all of baseball cards he's ever had. My dad has in a uh, in his you know safe at home, things like that. He just it, it meant everything to my dad, and of course, what he meant to, uh, you know, helping with uh, baseball's transition through the color barrier, obviously, as uh, is just as important. I mean, you know, he played in the Negro leagues. He played, um, you know, at a time when it wasn't that easy to be uh, a black athlete, and so that that also stands to me because he still he took. I'm sure he t- he wore a lot of verbal abuse and. That yeah. smile always stick. That smile was always there, and so that that to me, you know, and performing at at a high level, that to me just makes him just an absolute wonderful pick for me. Another guy that played a position that wasn't known for power or even hitting at all. Um, I mean, he moved over to first at eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, shortstop that hit five hundred homer. You know, like come on. And just FYI, this draft already has. The two Chicago players who won back-to-back MVPs. Boom. Frank and Ernie. (laughs) Yep. Uh, All right. Sesame Street sketch, Frank and Ernie. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What what you got for the next one here, Svo? All right. So, Fids made a couple really good emotional picks. 
yep. players that he connected to. And you, like, everyone but Pete's probably going to give me shit here. This is going to be a reach, and it's going to be a stretch. Um, but I'm going with my favorite baseball player of all time. Uh, number 56 on the field, number one in our hearts, Mark Burley. Um, perfect game, no hitter, just a save in the 2005 World Series. Just Drunk save. Fun, just a fun guy in um, the locker room. You know, he came in that relief appearance and he said, like, I already had a six pack of beer in me. Um, <laughs> I was at, I was, I had the pleasure of being at his perfect game. Um, Mark Burley is my absolute all time favorite White Sox. And that's why I'm making this pick. Perfect. Perfect. That's, that's, you know, I, I, I don't want to turn this into a contest. I want you to speak. I want you to speak passionately about what you you know what you're picking here so that's that's perfect um i yeah i love mark burley i i actually have a funny little story about mark burley he um so i used the company i work for uh used to mainly be a lawn care business and we had two markets we had chicagoland area and we did st louis and the town that our offices and our warehouse was in st louis there's like 30 burleys that live there so like so like we'd go there and we like I'd have to call these customers sometimes talk to them about their lawns and uh I would end up talking to them about Mark Burley's you know how he you know how the the game the perfect game the you know world series all the all the all the awesome moments of Burley's career we I would I would discuss with his family members and that was just kind of a cool thing for me. Hmm. I I can't add anything else. I think Vo summed it up perfectly. He was such a genius too on the mound because he never had like crazy stuff. He just put it where it needed to go. He had the cutter. He had the, <laughs> he had the claw changeup. Sorry. Sorry. What are you that. laughing at? And if you know that you had something to do later on that That's night, what she said. that hey, Burley you. was going to pitch an hour and 45 minutes and the game would be over. Love that. In and out of the park. I was at the game he pitched in early 05. It was an hour 39. <laughs> He had it was against who was the Seattle. other pitcher. He gave up three hits. I could tell you who he gave up all the hits to. Same person got all three hits. It was Ichiro. Oh, Go singles. <laughs> all singles. Funny. It was like April. It was mid April of '05. You know, I I wish I was I was young. I had just gotten married. I wish I had been able to go to games in that air in that mid mid two thousands when they won before they won after they won. I didn't go to games for a number of years just because of financial difficulties. But uh, but yeah, I I I loved every minute of that guy's career, man. Even when he, even when he went to Miami and Toronto, I I yeah, I loved every minute of it. I always I always rooted for Mark Burley as well. Um. But yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go. Aloha. You got two here. Absolutely agree. All right, and these two, I one is uh, was a huge thing for me when I was a kid because to me it signaled a new beginning. Little did I know how fucking wrong I would be. Uh, and the other, so the first one I'm going with is Carlton Fisk, just okay. because. At the time Fisk came here, you know, he had already hit the home run in the 75 World Series, and you saw it every week on NBC Game of the Week as part of their intro and all that stuff. Yes, 
I'm old enough to remember NBC Game of the Week. Some I of you might not too. have even been born when it was on. I remember. Uh, but uh, to me, because the Reinsdorf group, actually it was the Einhorn group at the time. Jerry was in the background. It was Eddie Einhorn who was in the lead. Mm-hmm. This was their first thing. This was their big free agent signing. This was, and I thought, foolish me, that, oh, they're actually going to spend money. Little did we know. But to me, Fisk always stood out. And having met him numerous occasions, I can say that I think he's bipolar. Because there's sometimes when he's very down to earth, easy to talk to. Other times where, holy Christ, man, he, did he quit smoking yesterday or something? Because he's a bear. But <laughs> I would have to say Carlton Fisk is my first one because I thought it was giving the White Sox legitimacy at the time that he was that they signed him as a free agent and when they signed him they got him for like nothing too wasn't that uh um yeah boston did boston had uh missed sending him a contract by a day so he was declared a free agent so uh pete i have a question to ask you about carlton fisk Hmm? considering he only played a short time in boston and then played i think over 10 years with the Sox, 13 and yeah, he t- and he went into the hall as a Red Sox. Is that do you think that was more for profitability or do you think he just really loved the Red Sox? He's a New Hampshire boy. That's one thing you got to remember. Mm-hmm. He's originally from New Hampshire, so I'm sure that played a factor in it. Plus, let's let's be blunt about something. With the autograph explosion and the memorabilia explosion, what is he going to make more money as in the Hall of Fame? It's If you look at it, yeah. it's the same thing with Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson only spent five years with the Yankees. He spent like 10 with Oakland and then a stop in Baltimore and a stop in with the Angels in between there. So, But the money's with the Yankees. So that that was a calculus that played in until Wade Boggs got carried away with it and was like willing to go in at, with the uh, Tampa Bay hat on because they were going to pay him all kinds of money. Yeah, it was in his contract. That's why, right, that's why now it's like the Hall of Fame hat thing. You know, that's they consult with the player, Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the player gets what they want. Yeah. It's like Andre, example, Andre Dawson going in with the Expos hat. Yes. Even though- yeah, because he that really was wanted to exactly, go to Everybody that knows he's going to win as a Marlin. <laughs> or a yeah. Red Sox. That was the example I was going to give. Andre Dawson with the Expo hat. He, I believe he wanted to go in with a Cub hat on. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, then there's other players like Maddox, for example. He just couldn't choose. That's why he did the, the no hat look. Because if you look at the plaques in the Hall of Fame, if the player has a hat, it's a straightforward. Hmm. If the player doesn't have a logo on the hat, it's a profile. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, that that's part of the reason why he went in with Boston. I think he should have went in with the White Sox because of time served, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and, the, and the other one is going back to the ice and it is not my favorite player, I would say, but 
the significance of him arriving here changed everything. And that was Marion Hosa. Because Marion Hosa, I don't care what anyone says, Marion Hosa is by a mile the greatest free agent signing in any sport in any Chicago sports team's history. By a mile. It's not even close. This is the guy who brought all the kids together and made them into men and led them to three Stanley Cups. And as as was mentioned earlier, they should have probably had a fourth except for that overtime in game seven against the Kings in 2014. Hmm. Good pick. He's, he was just, uh, wasn't, wasn't exactly what he did on the ice, but what he did to, to make everybody better. And he, uh, it was so weird what happened to him towards the, towards the tail end when he had the, you know, the mysterious injuries and whatnot. Yeah, he has that skin disease where he gets like um, the skin disease or whatever it was. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, like blisters develop on his body. It's kind of sucks for him because he could still probably go. Hives, but, right? Yeah, it's like blisters yeah. develop on his body from sweat or something like that. It's wow. I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. <clears throat> no, Marion Hosa, right. awesome pick. Yep, that was that's actually perfect. He was like he was on my list towards the middle. So yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, I only had, I only had, and I don't, I, like I said, I don't really know hockey that well, but, um, I only had three Hawks on my list and he was one of them. So, uh, okay. Uh, Svo, what do you got? Um, you know, I, I, I want to spread the wealth out here. Um, and I know, I know this is not going to be popular again, hmm. but the summer of 98, I got to go Sammy Sosa. Yep. That's a good one. Jumpers and shambles. No, no, I, I was gonna, I was gonna take Sosa. Gonna jump through the screen, screen and strangle you in shambles right now. No, I, I was gonna Look, take Sosa. Man, everyone, everyone in this room knows that I love the White Sox and I'm a White Sox fan. But there is no denying the electricity that everyone felt that summer. The McGuire and Sosa home run chase and what it meant for baseball. I don't think the MLB would be around if that home run chase. Did. It probably would be, but like, like they say, they saved the MLB that summer with that home run chase and everyone and then they it. hung them out to dry afterwards. and then they, they yeah they hung them out to dry i loved it and um like i remember and fids fids will fids will know exactly what i'm talking about but the hooters at woodfield used to, <laughs> used to do shuttles to wrigley field and i snuck out with my homies one day and we took the shuttle to wrigley field to go see them play the pirates um, I was grounded for something stupid I did, as everyone knows on Yumper and Svo. There's always something stupid that I did to get grounded. I was grounded. I wasn't supposed to go out. I snuck out. We went into the city, um, and then we missed the shuttle home to Hooters. We had to call my aunt, who lived on 23rd and Oakley, to pick us up and bring us back to the suburbs. So I got grounded even even longer. Um, but Sammy Sosa was a super fun watch that whole summer, and him and McGuire did a lot for baseball. That's why he's my pick. Yeah, I actually saw. Uh, I was actually going to take him if he got down to to my pick. Um, just the impact on baseball, him and McGuire, like you said, uh, take out you know some the, the substances with it. I mean, that kind of that argument's kind of getting old, especially with Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame, and now that David Ortiz is in, the whole um, substance substance. Ivan Rodriguez. Ivan Rodriguez is in. Yeah, we do a whole episode on that stuff. And everybody cheats. Pitchers pitchers use foreign substances. Batters use cork bats. I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's the thing too. Far, so I watch. Yeah. 
but I, also, I, I mean, you could say that about the Astros too. I I think yeah. I, I think it's naive. People get oh, so God. upset about the Astros. <laughs> I I mean, I just like I just I, like booing like Altuve though. Yeah, the thing oh, though, fun. yesterday though, I'm sorry, but the thing yesterday on that shit was so stupid. Oh, a city that deserves it. Nah, fuck that city that deserves oh. it. Like, what the hell are you talking about? They cheated in 2017. Just fucking say they cheated. They deserve it. No, deserve what? They fucking cheated. <laughs> Uh, that they was, cheated in 19 too, by the way. Yeah, they're they're fucking cheaters. It is what it is. They got away with it. They're, they, you know what? They cheated in the playoffs last year too against the White Sox. They shouldn't even went further. The White Sox <laughs> win that series by default. Larry Legend <laughs> hit a home run. No, I'm just saying, just the the way they try to narrate, do the narrative yesterday was so stupid. Yeah. Like I'm I'm glad Dusty Baker won. I'm not the biggest Dusty Baker fan. I'm glad he finally got a ring. Whatever. But back to Sosa. Like Sosa hit was first person to hit 60 home runs three in three years. First person hit back-to-back 60 home runs, 1998 MVP. Basically, people went to Wrigley to see Sammy Sosa hit home runs, and the Cubs were dog shit in 99 and 2000 during those years. And people, they were still selling out, and that's kind of a bad trend because they kept selling out. Uh, But people went to see Sammy Sosa hit home runs, and that's how that ballpark made money. Yeah. And beer. And beer. That too. And And the funny thing about it, I'll say this. I have a major issue with the Hall of Fame voting. If you're going to let Bud Selig have a plaque and David Ortiz and Ivan Rodriguez and uh, what about Mike the guys Piazza that used the greenies? Plaques. What about the guys that used the greenies in the in the '80s too? Like you got you well, got like not, Mike Schmidt. I'm not even guys, going you know? there because that's a fair point too. Mm-hmm. But it's talking about cocaine. how in the world can you say Barry Bonds and Roger cocaine. Clemens don't belong in there? Mm-hmm. There is yeah, no argument you can you. make saying they don't belong in there because it's the sports writers who voted them all those awards. Yep. And it's the sports writers who put their nose in the air like, oh, we can't sully the Hall of Fame. Fuck you. You're the ones who created the problem by giving them all these awards when you knew they were fucking cheap. It's also the sports writers who you're gonna decide think, not to yeah, vote you, one year. Like, it, I don't want to vote for anybody. Like, it's fucking stupid. Then you should have a vote. Well, and like, who yeah. cares if they juiced because pitchers were using foreign substances then? Oh, too, yeah. No. Right. Like you even the playing field or you take the advantage. That's a that's a good argument. So like people always rag on the people who actually succeeded while juicing. What about the people that didn't succeed while juicing? Jim Jim, Anderson, Jim Parquet (laughs) for the White Sox. He he fucking juiced and he was like 150 pounds soaking wet and he wasn't that good. (laughs) Like they juiced and they were horrible. Ruben Sierra juiced and became bad. He had to lose weight to get good again. Sammy was fun to watch, man. When he took that flag and ran into right field, like. That's like iconic, man. Like was a show that made yeah. me sick. That I, made me sick. I, it makes you sick, but you still gotta appreciate the gesture and the the just like kind of what he did for those people in the bleachers. And and I, I don't know if he gave a shit about them or not, but um But that's my point. Know. He he's using a tragic event to make himself look like a fucking hero. I mean, you could say that all. Trust anything, me, that right? fucker like, knew where the camera was every hour of the day. Oh well, Sandberg mentioned that in his speech. <laughs> he said, "I don't. Uh, I play the game right. I don't look for that little red that light every time I do something good." Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I get it, but like, it, but Pete, you of all people, like you of all people, I love you, but you're the first one that, like, when we're talking about the White Sox, you're like, they run their team as a business, <laughs> and if he's if they're gonna run their team as a business. Let Sammy run it as a business, man. And the more FaceTime you get on the camera, the more money you make. Okay. If the owners don't give a shit. Why should you give a shit? So, like, yeah, Sammy knew where the camera was and he played it up. But fuck it, if that's gonna pay, if that's gonna give me generational wealth for my kids, cool. 
Like Let's I do it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> he was he was just a monster okay, Pete the enough. Cubs c- created and when he got the Cubs and MLB created that monster mm-hmm. and the Cubs didn't put a handle on it and then they blamed everybody else when it kind of got out of control. It's disgusting what they did to him. Well, well, uh, let's be honest. He fucking dipped out during a baseball game. He literally said that he didn't sneak out and he's got caught on tape. Like he, he used a court. Okay, pass. Fitz. Yeah, I mean, he dipped out on a baseball game. But I can only go that he, he is the one that triggered his exit. Sammy finished the job himself. Not necessarily. So, they were trying to trade him to Arizona during old then left old two before it was over and lied to everyone saying that it didn't happen and then they had the receipts. Yeah, you can't do that. Dude, that's just that's shit. totally fine. But okay, so what does that have and to do with, with the Ricketts right now? Now it's not fucking welcome the guy back. Thing. Can we just take a minute here? Well, he's got to admit that he cheated. Let's take a minute here, and this is exactly this is exactly what Brian wanted when he came up. <laughs> do you see? Do you see the smile on my face right now, guys? This is exactly what he's wanted, yeah. and you have succeeded in your it first. Took, it took fifth. It took like fifty-five <laughs> minutes, but we got it. We got I, it. Oh, the conversation's been great the yeah. whole time. I I don't agree with. Him owing the Ricketts anything. Yeah. They fuck the only one, team. I got one more thing to say about Sammy. This is the guy. This, this is the guy who talked. To, you know, you talked about you know the business and everything else. But this is the guy who also in 2002 stepped away from the team for a weekend because his wife was having surgery on Monday. But so he took the weekend off. But on Monday, when she had the surgery. That fucker was in Milwaukee participating in the home run derby. <laughs> How much of this, and this is coming from a fellow White Sox fan, is your pure bitterness that George Bell wasn't as good as Sammy oh, Sosa? Oh my God. My, my dad still yells None. at me about George Bell every day. None. Every None. day of my fucking life. George None. Bell. How good was Sammy was, when they traded him? All all right. Kerry Wood, Wood was all of us at the end of Sammy Sosa's time as a Chicago Cub, taking a bat to his box. <laughs> It took him till recently to get over it too. And I mean, Kerry Woods, he's older. He's more mature. He's not going to like, he puts oh, things God. behind him because he's had nicer, nicer things to say, but nobody, you never got really, there, there was never good uh, stories coming out of that clubhouse with Sammy. Sammy had rules and then everybody else had rules. Ryan yeah. Sandberg wrote about it in his book. Larry Himes created the monster. We know that. Yeah. Uh, and Sammy, he just got too big for it. But in the end, he thought he was untouchable and, and it backfired and blew up in his face. And, you know, he did not, you know the corked bat thing is is probably more egregious than the uh, you know the steroids because that everyone else is using. The thing is, I again, <clears throat> you know, admit it. Just just it's fine. Just say it and then move on. That's all. And he refuses to say that. He still refuses to say the corked bat was his. Like there's zero accountability. And well, that's the problem in terms of the corked bat, yeah. But I like I say, I, he doesn't owe Tom Ricketts shit. Like he doesn't. He owes you as a Tom Ricketts. Buy, when did you don't Rick, owe me when nothing. Did, when did the Ricketts family buy the team? In 08. And and who was the no oh nine oh nine oh nine ownership during the biggest during the the biggest tenure of Sammy Sosa's career the Tribune Tribune company right right so in reality he had a board of owners not like you know like I I just think like the whole situation is jacked and he had a media company well not just that in terms of him owing them an apology fits like the fucking Ricketts hired Manny Ramirez he's not he hasn't come out and said hey. I'm sorry, I failed three fucking tests to where I had can't play baseball anymore for PEDs. But he and was hired as a but he was hired legend, but he was hired as a hitting coach in the minor leagues as a fucking coach. Like, there's Maybe no excuse. So. If you don't like him, you don't like him. Like, that's cool. Just come out and say you don't want him because you don't like his personality or whatnot. Just don't give me no bullshit about him dis- having to apologize to what Tom Ricketts wasn't even fucking paying attention out there. He was too busy getting loaded and making out with his ugly wife and 
the fucking outfield. Yikes. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that fertility drug, that was never a good thing. But fact right, is, guys, let, we got to get that's, moving. That's a hot topic that'll, that'll probably eventually be answered because <laughs> well, people have short memories anyway. Could it be that Sammy wants too much money to appear there and that's the whole root of the problem? From what Kaplan has said, it's not it. Just he just wants he doesn't want anything. He just wants to come back and be well have a day. I think Sammy would appear for a all you could eat mozzarella stick buffet. Like at this point, he just wants to be seen again. He's just egos. He wants the ego back. Yeah. He's and he he looks he's just weird. Also, mozzarella (laughs) sticks. God damn, I'm hungry. Sorry. Yeah, that sounds perfect there. You know what? (laughs) We're eating by the time we're done here. All right. I guess this is me. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I have gone Cubs twice, so I probably should refrain from um, picking Paul Ossenmacher and or Jim Essien. So Gary what about Scott, Leon Durham? Gary Scott. If I, uh, if I you know, shy away from Kevin Ori, I think we can move to uh, um, a guy that, that had... What is, about Brooks Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, a guy that's, um, to be honest, he's someone that is a legend for something that he did for such a short while. Um, you know, he, he, he and a, his roommate, Broke a, a barrier, if you will, uh, when he they were both rookies coming into camp. Um, you know, he's at he came out of Wichita, Kansas. I mean, he he only played what six years as a player uh, in the NFL, and yet is regarded by yeah. so many as one of the top running backs in the history of the game. He's made us all cry with his story. You know, if we watched um, Billy D. Williams' portrayal of him of James Conn and I love Brian Piccolo. Um, so we've all cried as a result of him. He was a five-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. He's been the rushing leader. He was rushing leader two years. He was like an, uh, the 50th anniversary all-time team, the 100th anniversary all-time team, Bears number retired, consensus All-American. Um, the dude set set standards um, up and down the league and just couldn't stay healthy, unfortunately. Um, and so I'm going to obviously take Gale Sayers. Um, and just comment. He's man. also one of the best kick returners ever. I love this quote from yeah, Dick Buck. That's what he said earlier. Dick Buck has said he had the ability to go full speed cut, then go full speed again right away. I saw it every day in practice. We played live. You could never get a clean shot on Gale. Never. Now, his career was cut short because he tore his ACL. Is that right? Knee injuries. Yeah, yeah. He had a, the first injury. He just didn't have any type of correction at that point in time. Yep. yep. It was a right knee and then a left knee. He also has a bobblehead from two different teams. He has a bobblehead when the Bears did their 100-year anniversary franchise. And then when Wrigley Field had their anniversary, they did Wrigley Field Legends, not just Cub Legends. And there is a Cubs or Wrigley Field Gale Sayers bobblehead, and they are both fucking fantastic. Now, the Gale Sayers one also shares Dick Buckus, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. They're both fantastic. Yeah, unfortunately, he passed away from dementia, more than likely the result of his playing career, too, towards the end uh... But uh, think, that dude was a think about this. Great the pick. Bears got great pick. Butkus and Sayers in the same draft. Yep. And Piccolo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and Piccolo too. Yes. And Picciolo. Yeah, the story goes that uh, Papa Bear Hallis used to use them against each other, their leverage, their contracts. He would say, People don't come. He would tell Dick Buckus, People don't come to see you play defense. They come to see Gale Sayers run offense. And he would tell Gale Sayers, People don't come to see you run the ball. Is he. They come to see Dick Buckus hit people to kind of play out them against each other and to make their contracts more affordable for the team, which is kind of a shitty mood, but I mean, Papa Bear Hallis. Great pick. Yeah, he was a tool. Great pick though, Fitz. Yeah, that's perfect. That was that was I was up there. Um I think he was like number seven or eight on my list, actually. Uh, I couldn't go all cubs. Jeez. <laughs> I could. I mean I could, theoretically, but <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Sayers was number six on mine. 
Yeah. All right. Let's go with me. I am going to go with, now this is an emotional pick here. Um, this guy, uh, broke my heart. Um, huge, huge bulls fan up until probably the last six or seven. Why did he forget to tip you? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you sure did. Um, sure did. Thanks for bringing up, asshole. I'm going Derek Rose here. Um, oh, wasn't, oh. Here, wasn't here a very long time, but uh, but he put it. He put a big uh, big print in the in the. Wow. In the, yeah, I. It's not. It's. I mean, I'm not picking the best. I'm picking. No, I don't think that's a terrible pick at all. I'm just surprised Rose went before Scottie Pippen. I well. thought about Scottie Pippen <laughs> as well, but you you just ruined the draft. No, no I'm kidding. Um, fuck that guy. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I, I, he was just magnificent, and I, and I even made, I even made a comment today just on Twitter that he is, that Justin Fields is Derek is football Derek Rose. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully not. God, I hope not. Hope no. Hopefully yeah, doesn't exactly. have a ten cent. Hopefully doesn't have a ten cent head like Derek Rose does, and hopefully he's not hanging out with BJ Armstrong and his and his brother. You know, it's his. It was his brother's man. Reggie. It was never BJ. It was his brother's. Yeah, his brother was a. Still is man. But, a piece of work. But yeah, the way that the way that guy was just jumping over people and putting and I mean it, it did it did upset me a little bit when he didn't want to help uh recruit some people here, but uh but at the same time I don't well, think what happened when he went to uh when he went to New York, I, Brian? He started he's think, like, Oh, I'm gonna recruit now. I don't I right. I don't think that recruiting is his job. Like I no, I love, but, I, love but, I love that attitude. He's like, No, fuck it, I wanna beat LeBron, I wanna beat Chris Bosch. It, but it wasn't going to happen. It was, I mean, it's the era is the super team. And but when, uh, when your boy, like Joe Kim, is trying to recruit Carmelo Anthony to come here and like he sets it up for a dinner, and you know that's, that Joe Kim's your man, 100 grand, and you're gonna, he's trying to recruit somebody, and then you just fucking don't show up. That's kind of bogus. <laughs> I just, I don't think he, he was, I, I don't, I don't think Derek Rose has ever, I mean, now he speaks very passionately and he's very honest with the, with everybody, but back then, I don't think. Um, I don't think he cared, and I also don't think that uh, he I, he just not not a bright bright human being in general. <laughs> so, but uh, right, but not a great human being either. Oh yeah, I know. What yeah. are you talking about? He's the one who took that test for Memphis, right? Exactly, right. exactly. That's what when I when I say not the brightest guy in the world. Yeah, when uh when a, when a five foot eight inch white dude walks in to, to take his uh his his act you know it's like I, straight out of straight out of the sopranos episode season two episode one christopher maltesante, maltesante? Christopher? <laughs> little asian guy yeah, yeah, yeah. i can vividly remember when he got drafted like i was in a group chat with a bunch of my fraternity brothers and like a bunch of uh, basketball people and yep. they were so pissed we took derrick rose over, beasley. over michael beasley michael they were pissed beasley. and i'm like what are you guys smoking like Apparently they were smoking whatever Beasley was smoking because people thought Michael Beasley was going to be like Carl Malone, and it was yeah that if if he had been good, him and Wade together was would have been just bonkers. But yeah, that guy just million dollar million dollar talent. Another guy with ten cent head. Yep, totally. Yeah, I mean, I like I don't want, I don't disagree with the pick. I think Derrick Rose is a Chicago icon because he's probably one of the only players besides Buckus that's actually from Chicago. Whitney um, Young. Simeon. Um, is this, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Ah, yeah, he went to Simeon, bro. I ruined sorry. it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, man, that's that's wow. Okay, I like. I mean, I like. Wasn't he the last player to wear number 25? I've there. 
Well, no, everybody wears 25. Every great what, player at Simeon the wears last 25. Guy wore number 25 at Simeon? Everyone wears 25 because that was Benji Benji's number. But I thought they stopped that again. I don't think they have. I think yeah. every the, like But I thought like, they stopped it's like, that. It's like number 1 at Michigan. Like the the best player gets to wear that number. And they retired it in 2009. Yeah. Jabari Parker didn't wear that number. Simeon did. Okay. I'm, I'm, I got an article up from. Didn't Jabari go to Duke? Yeah, but Jabari was from Simeon too. Yeah, Jabari went to Simeon. Yeah. I don't know what number he wore at Simeon. Because Nick Anderson wore 25 throughout his career as a tribute to Ben Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick Anderson. And I can say Ben. Which also, by the way, if you've never seen that ESPN 30 for 30, whoo, the magic one or the Ben Wilson? One? No, the Benji Wilson one. Ben Wilson. It's a, that's rough. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, well, I guess uh, we can go to me. This yep. is a tough one for me because uh, I wasn't to go with certain somebody, but uh, now I don't want to go with them. Because <laughs> Derek Rose has picked already. Um, I'm going to go with the person who is claimed to be the greatest Chicago offseason acquisition as a free agent. But it's definitely Marion Hosa, in my opinion. But he comes in in second in my heart, is that's John Lester. Um, if, if anything, he kind of solidified the um, Gil Epstein era of they're going for it. They have the core of Rizzo and Bryant and Baez and Contreras. Um, they're going to build this team, and this was like the first big fish they got. And without him, I don't see the Cubs winning anything. Uh, he was very uh, productive until in 15, sure. 16, 17, and 18, and even 19, if you throw that out there. He started to deteriorate in terms of stuff, but he still battled in every game. And I mean, he's got over 200 wins as a lefty. So, total not lights out in the playoffs. So, I would go with John Lester. Good one. Yeah, I mean, just, just, on, just on playoff and World Series stuff alone, that guy's a that guy's a legend. What he symbolized was the beginning of a very very special, a uh, little bit half decade plus of of Cubs baseball. So, but you know, when people talk about you know certain free agents, you know Andre Dawson with the blank con, you know the blank check, um, you know you can talk about Sam, you know Sammy wasn't really he was an acquisition, so I guess it wouldn't really count. But you know there really is no signing that impacted. And and produce the result that was intended upon signing, which is to win a World Series and, and that damn curse. And then John Lester was the uh, he was the what's the word I'm trying to think of the starter's gun for that whole thing. And he's just a good dude, genuinely Catalyst. good dude. Just a lot of stuff. Catalyst, yeah, a lot of you know he he did a lot of stuff around the community too. He's really well liked in the Cubs community. I know he does a lot of charity work. And um, you know what didn't he buy everybody a beer one day? Like anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On him, like yeah, just what, things like that. He ran a tab, I think, uh, across the street. Yeah. I think that's kind of what yeah. killed me about the Cubs being good. It wasn't that they were good. It was, I mean, it kind of like softened the blow of them being good because a lot of those guys were actually good guys. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, it was, it was that's, like, as a White Sox fan, it was really hard to dislike it hurt the players to on that yeah. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it hurt to like them, excuse me. Totally. So, um, it's just a big impact in terms of what he's done. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, for my snake wraparound pick, I am going to go with Zippin' Pippin' himself, Scotty Pippin. Uh, he's a little crazy these days, but uh, 
Ooh, you know, we were really blessed growing up, at least I was, to see the greatest player of all time play and then one of the top 50 players to be with him as his sidekick. They were Batman and Robin. Scotty came into his own when he went to Portland. Um, but uh, just for his defense and those two years where he took over when Michael wasn't there showed, you know, he had a lot of talent. Uh, it was kind of like a swan song when he came back to the Chicago the Bulls, even though he did it for money, but it was kind of cool to see him come back in his later years. Uh, you know, you always think when you think of Jordan, you can't think of Jordan without Pippen and seeing those pictures of them and the two three feats. So Scotty definitely uh, a goat. Best or second best uh, perimeter defender in the history of the game, in my opinion. The other one being Michael Jordan. Uh, guy could just do it out, do everything. Yeah, I mean, Tex, Tex Winter called them both Rottweilers. Yeah, they, you. That was the. I was like the whole reason they won. I mean, obviously, offensively, they were both pretty gifted, but those two locking up the perimeter, like they yeah. couldn't. You couldn't do anything. Just nothing. And. Uh, nothing. I think he struggled to. He hated the Batman and Robin thing. He hated being Robin. Oh, yeah. Man, that really was yeah. a oh his you know, yeah. a shadow that he would never. I mean, and you can't. I mean, that's it's an it's unfor, it's unfortunate, but it's also. I mean, appreciate what you had. You was a goat of goats. His, his ego was also yeah that Tony Kukoc thing with one point eight seconds. I was like just about to mention that <laughs> it was like it was a whole thing. Yeah, like that, that like forever. That's forever. That like leaves a little bit of a stain on his legacy, but not enough for yep. me to be like he doesn't belong in this conversation. Yeah, that's why I think right. when he went to Portland, that kind of showcased him a little bit more because he was leading that young, you know, Stoudemire, Smith, you know, Brian Grant team. Should have won a title. Yeah, they the should have won. That team was so good. Yeah, so she, the Jailblazers. Yep, they, that, that team should have beat the Lakers, uh, but could have, could have. There were a couple teams that should have beat that. There the was Kings. a Kings that Kings that one year. Oh my God! The, the Timberwolves How did they team not that win? one year. Yep. Yeah, but Kevin they, I think they were up, they were up by 15 in the fourth, and Mike Dunleavy never called the timeout when the, the Lakers started to go on a run. So uh, I remember that game vividly. I was a big fan of the Portland Trail, but it's just for Scotty alone, him and Mighty Mouse. Yeah, Stoudemire was great <laughs> too. He, he fell apart fast though. When he, when he lost his athleticism, all mm-hmm. he was was like a five foot nine point guard. At that Definitely. Point. Uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead here. God, you guys got me thinking about shit now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read you guys a song real quick, and then I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pick. The sack man's coming. I'm your man Dent. If the quarterback's slow, <laughs> it's gonna get bent. I go Richard Dent. Richard Dent is the best pass rusher I've ever seen in my life. Now you could call it, um, you could call it him being part of a group that was just ungodly in terms of their line, in terms of linebackers, but that guy knew how to get there. Nah, he knew yeah. how to go. Joe Theismann used to say in the middle of the night, he'd wake up in a cold sweat because he saw Richard Dent. Like he he's sleeping and he, and he just jump out of bed. Cause he thinks rich, like that's his night. His nightmare is Richard Dent going after him all the time. Someone the way he thinks now Lawrence Taylor, <laughs> right? I exactly. would think it'd be Lawrence Taylor. That's me too. But, <laughs> but yeah, he, he was asked in an interview a couple of years ago and he said, Richard Dent, is the scariest motherfucker I ever saw in my life. But I think the only reason that Richard Dent doesn't have more sacks is because he shared that defensive line with other great legends and names. Otherwise, oh, the linebackers be... were getting in there too. Yeah. You got otherwise his linebackers still on that list. Yeah. yeah. Good pick. Thank you. Uh let's keep going here. Let's uh cave goods. What do you got? <clears throat> well, you knew this was coming, so I figured I'd wait to the last round. I, knew, way, I knew I knew I was uh, waiting for this. I have to. I mean, I mean, I've known the kid since he was 13 years I old. I knew it. 
Oh yeah. Uh, you know, MVP of Dude, the first Cubs World Series team to win a world or first Cubs team to win a World Series in 108 years. Javi Baez. Um, <laughs> he can, Javi you know, Baez. His his horse mouth. Um, and uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> the kid that I got to see develop and and to be honest, you know, when he was coming up, um, you know, we weren't no none of us kids ever say that we saw what was really headed down the line an MVP. Um, World Series thing. I mean, it played out so incredibly well. I mean, for me, obviously, the personal connection. Yep. Um, <clears throat> joking with him, the the, the year before, uh, the, the, during the draft, the year before, him and I were texting, and it was uh, when when they, the the two pitchers went um, in the first two, and we were talking about just how strange it was. Appel was one, right? Yeah, Appel, Yeah, and we were just talking about, hey man, this could be you next year. Uh, and he's like, yeah, 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 all all good things, right? And and a, whole, a year later. Um, I was actually driving to Colorado. We were under the belief that he was going to be taken by the Rockies. Um, and so he was, um, that was our expectation. I had no, ex- you know, I, the Cubs, I thought the Cubs were going to take, I think, I think it was an arm or something like that. And so I'm actually on the way to Colorado. So I'm like, this is going to be sweet. He's going to get drafted third overall with the Rockies. I'm going to go be, I'm going to be in Denver and in Boulder. And I'm going to be able to like, you know, puff my chest out and have people buy me drinks or something. And we go through this dead spot and they go, and with the second pick in the, you know, in the 2000 and uh, what was it? 2013, 14 draft 13, or whatever. Yeah, 13. We're like, um, the Chicago Cubs select, and then we ran out of service. We were in Green River, Utah. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. No signal. Phones are dead all of a sudden. Like nothing for about maybe six minutes, I'd say. Maybe six minutes. And then when we get service again, so many messages and everything. I'm like, holy shit, what's going on here? And it was all our coaching staff and everyone going, holy crap, it's the Cubs. And I'm like, oh, what? So obviously immediately we, you know, I, that, that whole Colorado trip was just me enjoying that. So just getting to see him grow and seeing him, seeing that whole thing kind of unfold and and going to see it, you know, I got to go see him play in New Orleans uh, at when he played for the Iowa Cubs and it was kind of a cool doubleheader. Um, At one point, you know, when he played here with the Cubs, uh, you know, during the pandemic, right before the pandemic shut down 2020, we, you know, we, we delayed the game by accident hanging out in front of the dugout talking and just shooting the shit just because he's a good guy. He's, you know, more things about Chris, the draft is not the fact that he's also a great performer. He's a very good ball player. He's also a quality human being. I mean, I can actually attest to the kind of person that he is firsthand. Um, it's not some sort of PR marketing firm, my marketing kind of campaign. Chris Bryant is exactly the nice human being, the genuine human being that you guys see on television. That makes it an easy pick for me. He'd have been my number one pick if it wasn't such a cliche. I had to wait for the last pick, but I don't. I don't really know many humans that are as genuinely uh, um, amazing people as he is, and, and the kind of guy that is a good teammate and can be. You know, can get frustrated from time to time. He does have resting bitch face. I, I, I can call him out on resting bitch face on occasion. Um, but uh, I also could say I'm the only guy that's ever benched KB for not hustling. Uh, I benched him once in high school, and only time I think he's ever been benched before. And I kind of lit into him a little bit. So that's the pick. Love him. He's uh, again. I knew it was going to happen eventually, right? Yeah, he's the dude. But he's he's actually, one of those guys just like going back to actually Lester. forgot all about I was it. And about I was picking like, him just to fuck with. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just going back to like, like Lester about how like the guys on the teams on those Cubs teams were so likable, and uh, and he was one of them. I I mean, from my perspective, from a White Sox side of things, I I liked I liked the guy. I I never I never thought it was a PR thing with him or Rizzo or you know Lester. I liked like I thought Zobrist was a cool cat. But uh, but yeah, that's a good pick, man. I think it's a horrible pick. Hey, terrible. <laughs> shut your mouth. Shut shut your face. <laughs> shut your back. <laughs> uh, I'm a little disappointed. I only see what three White Sox on here. 
Yeah. You gonna change that, Svo? Uh, no, I'm not actually. Oh, sorry, man. Um, no, you're good. I, I have one, one or two that would go into my, my. If there was another round list, but yeah, um, me too. I'm gonna go back to the ice, and I'm gonna get the fellow, uh, fellow Slovak, um, Hosa, Makita, Svoboda. We're all Czech, Polacks. Uh, so I'm going Stan Makita. <laughs> Stan Makita's donuts. That yep, Makita's donuts. Um, yeah, you know, just like. Just like um, Fitz's pick with Ernie Banks, um, my dad's favorite hockey player of all time, who he grew up watching. Um, it wasn't it wasn't that wife beater Bobby Hall. It was Stan Mikita. It was Stosh. Um, that was the that was the player that my dad idolized as a kid, and what got him into Blackhawks hockey. And then he kind of he kind of sent that love of hockey over to me. Um, even though the team that got me into hockey was actually the San Jose Sharks. Um, but Stan Makita, I think, is a Chicago sports icon, and he absolutely to be des- deserves to be on my draft board. Now you had a you had a you definitely had a San Jose Sharks starter jacket, correct? I never had a shark starter jacket. What? I had, that I had was the only reason to like the Sharks, man. I had one. I had a Charlotte Hornets one. <laughs> I had one of those too. It was the Hornets one, and I was like, okay. and and then my second one was the Anaheim Mighty Ducks one. So, um, but apparently the manager at Stan McKee murdered ducks. somebody. So, yes. And so to see his soul leave his body, Steve's soul leave his body. <laughs> yeah. But no, Stan Makita, I think, is in the upper echelon of Blackhawks greats. You know, it's it's the four guys. It's Stan Makita. It's uh, Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's still Bobby Hull. Um, and, uh, you know, you can substitute who you want, Jeremy Roenick or Jonathan Taves. But, Makita definitely belongs up there. Excellent. Okay, last pick. What do you got, Mr. Mr. Hand? I cannot believe this pick is still out there. This pick, I would say, I would argue, rivals Michael Jordan for his importance. Mm. He's He's number seven in your program. But number ben one Gordon? to the NFL, George Hallis. <sighs> Without yeah. George Hallis, there probably is not an NFL. There's not uh, an NFL. There's I thought also, about that one. It's also his fault that the Green Bay Packers exist, too. Yeah, so I thought you were going to go with Butterbean. I thought you were going Butterbean Bob Lowe. <laughs> I, you said number seven. I was I was like Ben Gordon or Tony Kukoc. He also played for the Yankees. It could be Chris Chelios. George Hallis. Chris yeah. Chelios is a red wing, and he's dead to oh, me. But when you talked about the importance, <laughs> I thought you were going with uh, Downers Grove's own Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a Cincinnati never, Red. I never realized he was oh, from yeah. Downers Grove. Stepped yeah. into a Slim Jim. Yep, well, grew up in Downers, no, went to I Downers mean, Grove High School. There is no NFL the without George Hallis. It's true. Yep, totally true. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Papa Bear Hallis. So, got to go with George Hallis. I, that's not a terrible yep. pick. Oh, Travis Kelsey. Oh, what are you doing? I'm sorry. Okay, so next I wanted oh, to just... Oh, have... that's not good. What's going on? That looked like a Bears play from last week. <laughs> I, uh, I'm behind. I, I made a big list, so I just want to read oh. off the names that we that we didn't pick, just so we give them a little bit of, little bit of props. Uh, we got a couple of legendary Bears linebackers, Mike Singletary, uh, Brian Erlacher. Um. Dan Hampton, that was oh. a good one. Uh, let's go over to the White Sox. We got 
Harold Baines. Can WOs be upset? We got Minnie Minoso. We got uh, Paul Canerco, who some of us met recently. Jose Abreu, Robin Ventura. Pito. <laughs> best, uh, Robin Ventura, best manager ever. Um, and oh, then... Terry Bevington takes that one. Yep. I don't know, man. Ventura. <laughs> Ventura just had no idea what the hell he was doing all the time. Uh, Bevington called in pitchers who weren't warming up. Bevington argued with umpires and let the other manager sway his opinion. Yeah, but didn't Pe- Terry Bevington have like a winning record? No. I think he did. I think it was like 500. You guys are still yeah, I think it was like 500. That was a team that was built to win, though. That was the problem. And yes. he just he couldn't he couldn't get it home. A couple more bears that we forgot. Um Devin Hester. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot, yeah. but didn't oh. pick. Steve McMichael, Wilbur Marshall, Peanut Tillman, Lance Briggs, Olin Krutz. Um you mentioned Bobby Hall, uh Chris Chelios, a couple of pricks. Um one. and then with the Cubs, Tony you Forgot Mark Grace, of course. Maddox. Yeah, Gracie's a good uh, pick. Greg Maddox would have been a good one. Gracie, Gracie would have been a good pick. I forgot on the Bears. Got Bronco Nagurski, wrestling legend as well. <laughs> um, a lot of bulls. Uh, Horace Grant, Tony Kukoc. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Redker. Johnny Redker. I'll Both never correct. forget. Yeah. So. Well, that's what we got for undrafted. Now, I wanted to also do a quickie little round here of before we wrap up of players that didn't quite deserve to be selected, but we have a personal attachment to. So just just a quick like minute on each one here. Um, Aloha, Mr. Hand, if you want to go first. Sure. Uh, it's a tough one because yep, I could think of is. a couple. And one that immediately comes to mind is a player who I really like, but I don't see him on this. And you just mentioned him, as a matter of fact, uh, that being uh, Jeremy Roenick. Mm. I think Roenick was a very good player, but I don't put him in, like, the GOATS category. Took him to the finals, right? I think it was more Chris Chelios... To get Steve Smith and uh, Eddie Eddie the Eagle before he got hurt oh, that took him. him to the finals. That right that Hawks team like they had Eddie the Eagle as the starter and Dominic Hasek as your backup, and they traded Dominic Hasek. Yeah, yeah but Dominic so was, Hasek wasn't hated, as good. He wasn't as good I as hated, Eddie Pelfour at the time. No, no, but saying though, just I to have two trade. Hall of Fame goalies is ridiculous. Yeah, I hated that trade at the time, and I hate it more today. Because I was not the biggest Belfort fan. I thought he was a whiny bitch. I loved Eddie. The best thing about Eddie I remember is like I, when he was playing for Dallas, like I saw it on Sports I'll never I'll always remember this is they show a clip of him putting his stick between somebody's legs and just pulling it up and hitting the guy in the nuts. And the guy just falls to the floor and they're like, Oh yeah. He he I think he got ejected for that, but I just vividly remember him doing that. I'm like, holy shit, Eddie Belfort, don't fuck around. <laughs> All right, so what do you got? Oh man, you put me on the spot. If I gotta go with, um, if I gotta go with someone, um, I'm gonna get some shit for this. Uh, maybe not, but I'm gonna go with Ronnie Fields. Um, and I know that's a name. You're like, like, who the hell are you talking about? Ronnie, 
Ronnie Fields is the greatest Chicago high school basketball player of all time. And his career was cut short because of a car accident and a neck injury. And he was signed to play at DePaul. Um, and he would have been an absolute legend. I would argue with that from one point. I think it's Ben Wilson, not Ronnie Fields. No, Ronnie Fields. And, and cut short. I mean, Ben Wilson tragically cut short as well. Ronnie Fields could jump out of a gym. And even Kevin Garnett was like, I've never played with a dude as good as Ronnie Fields. You know what's funny about those Farragut teams? They never won the state. They never won state. And it had Garnett and Ronnie Fields on right. it. We were one game away from playing Farragut. Actually, we lost to uh, Buffalo Grove. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Hersey played Farragut. Um, my sister's senior year, which was Garnett's senior year, yeah, twenty or nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I think, I think they played Hersey in like the Elite Eight or something. Yeah, but we lost yeah. in the uh, super sectional title game to uh, to to what's it called? Um, Jesus, uh, Buffalo Grove. And then we had we actually had signs that were like "Bring on," you know, "Bring on Garnett." Everyone's ready for that one. <laughs> they were good, but they didn't. When? Yeah, that's kind of kind of strange with all the talent they had because they had another guy on that team. I can't remember the name. There's a third guy that Michael Wright. Yeah, okay. Like, you remember everything. Basketball is uh, my first love. Right, right. <laughs> all right, uh, Kay, I, Fitz, I, what do you got? You know, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Pete. What do you got? Oh, I was gonna say. I also got. I was fortunate enough to see those legendary King teams with like Marcus Liberty. Hey, you know, I got to see the Flying Illini before they went to Illinois. King always had like a nine foot tall monster on those on those teams. <laughs> they really didn't they have like I can't because Leon what, Cox was like like was heavily that? recruiting. Yes, one guy yes. that was just. It and it's funny because you had Hambrick at I hope that's how you pronounce it. It's Hambrick, right? At Simeon, yeah, and who was? I don't want to. I know how this is going to sound. He was very classy, very you know. And then you had Landon Cox at King, who was just like the used car salesman. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fids, what do you got, buddy? All right. I'm going to go with someone that was an icon. Um, Chris Bryant. Uh, and uh, someone that was such a badass that at one point at training camp, uh, he had to call his fiance and said, look, we're going to have to change the date of our wedding because we're going to go to the Super Bowl, and that's on January 26th. He's a two-time uh, second-team All-Pro. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's an NFL scoring leader. He's in. He's the first-ever kicker inducted in College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, we're going with Butthead, Kevin Butler. Uh, the man, he was, I mean, 10 years as a Bear kicker. He was like, he was as consistent um, every Sunday as, as someone that just everybody loved. He loved to lay some stick if he could. I mean, if, if there was an opportunity for him to hit somebody on something, he would. And that kind of made him a little bit more of a kind of a fun guy. But he's hilarious. Butthead was Butthead, man. So I'm going to go with Butthead. I love that pick. You know, Kevin Butler used to do like a weekly radio show with um, uh, his name was Kevin Matthews. And yeah. he was on WLUP. And he had this character, Jim Shorts. And Kevin Butler used to come yeah, on there. Shorts, and yeah, right, right. Yep. He's right. <laughs> like my dad loved Jim Shorts. And my dad, too. Um, I always funny. I always remember Butthead's uh, segments on that. That's a great pick, Fids. I actually, I actually met him once. Um, Jim McMahon opened a restaurant in it was Displains or Park Ridge area, and my cousin was actually the head chef there. So we got to go to the opening, 
And uh, me and one of my buddies just walked in there and we, you know, we ate dinner. And next thing you know, like the whole 85 team is there. And uh, the only guy, the only guy we ended up actually talking to was Kevin Butler for like, for like 10 seconds. But he seemed, but he like, he was like, he seemed very inviting and very nice. Georgia Bulldog. Yeah. Um, I, I can go with mine. Uh, so this is a player that um, was not really going to knock your socks off in terms of stats, but he had some decent years and he was one of my favorite players I saw growing up. And I was extremely excited when he got traded to the Chicago Cubs because he played on the other side of the town. And that's uh, Lance One Dog Johnson. Uh, was a huge Triton grad. Triton. Huge fan of Lance One Dog Johnson. Loved his nickname. Loved the number one. When he got traded to the Cubs from the Mets, I was so damn excited because I'm like, damn, we got one dog. Like, I loved him with the socks. And when he left to New York, I was like kind of upset because I still like to watch him on the Sox broadcast. But then when he came back to the Cubs, I was really, really happy to have him. He, uh, he actually had a bat that was like a 31 or 32 inch and it was like 60 ounces like it was a <laughs> it was a beast of a, like it was so not it was so heavy loaded for being such, such a short such a little guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny he he uh what i remember about him is he had the worst arm i've ever seen in the outfield <laughs> <laughs> like it i'm i'm not i'm not bullshitting right no, I, mean, you're that not. Guy, no, I had you're like not. no arm at all and it was it was just funny because it, it kind of just speaks volumes to what the White Sox are still dealing with right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go with mine real quick. I'm going to go. Joe Kim Noah is probably my favorite basketball player of all time. Um, just just a guy that didn't have. I don't want to say the talent, but I mean, he was a seven footer. He knew how to use his body so well to get angles for rebounds. It was almost like Rodman defense and angles and i i just i loved watching that energy that guy brought he's running up and down the floor when he started to when it went uh when he had to play like almost play like like point guard for a while it was it, he was just he was just so much fun to watch and it was a guy that you know he couldn't shoot he couldn't do a whole lot offensively but he made it work former um, defensive player of the year yeah yeah just a hell of a guy you know, it's funny because I think there's still two names out there that we could go with. Dennis Rodman being one mm-hmm. and McMahon being the other. Funky quarterback. Funky QB McMahon, man. Yeah, I was thinking about him too, but I just went with one dog for my own personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could go with Johnny Taves. Johnny Taves wasn't really mentioned in terms of his impact. Uh, yep. Tony Amante, if you want to go back to when the Hawks yeah. sucked, I mean, Amante was a big draw with them. You know. That was when they, were, they weren't very good though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's when they were bad. We used, call, we used to call him Blackhawk Down during the Tony Amante era. <laughs> or even uh, you can go back to when the Bulls or like the Baby Bulls when they had um, Ben Gordon and the captain Kirk Heinrich. Ben Gordon now in trouble for uh, fighting McDonald's employees. Yeah, he's in, he's got some issues. He's got some issues. <laughs> he punched his kid in the face at an airport. Well, we, I think all been, we've all been there, Brian. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but. Uh, I think he tried to set his apartment complex on fire too, like a couple of years ago. He's got some like serious issues. Yeah, he's not he's not well. But uh, but all right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I really appreciate you guys being on with me here. Um, as you I can tell, got a, I got a quick question, Brian. I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna yes, let you sir. do your outro. Are we gonna do the players that we definitely don't want on this list? 
like yeah. the players that we hate or like that don't belong on the the Chicago sports coats list. Yeah, you, you mentioned you could it. Do that. I got you one. Did. Got one That's in mind. Fine. Yeah, go for it. Go for it, please. All right, if I'm gonna kick it off, my least favorite Chicago Bear of all time, Rex Grossman. Um, oh, not only sexy, did he cost us the Super Bowl, but he went to Florida. I remember just being so hurt after that Super Bowl and Rex Grossman. If we had a competent quarterback in that Super Bowl, we win it, and he went to Florida. So sorry, Rexy, you're my least favorite bear of all time. The Bears are actually leading in that game. Uh, I think it's when they went to prevent defenses when they blew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you go up against Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, you're not going to win. To Ron Rivera, he well, screwed they, us. They went up by a touchdown ten seconds into the game. Yeah. That was one of the craziest sports moments of my life. Honestly, like when that when that happened, I like ran into the wall. It was it was like Kool Aid Man to my parents' house. My 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 buddy Chris, he won ten k on that. He bet opening kickoff return for a touchdown. One of those Super Bowl props won ten thousand dollars. How much did he bet? I have a quick Rex Grossman story. He we said were, it to you. You're like holy shit. <laughs> I uh, I was at Woodfield one day with my mother in law and my wife. And we're walking around and we're passing that. There's a clear. I don't know if it's still there anymore. There's, there used to be a collectible store in there. I think it was called Field of Dreams, actually. Yes. Yeah, it's a smoothie shop now. And we're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're walking by it. And I guess Rex Grossman must have been signing autographs there because he because he walks by us. And my mother-in-law, who's like a huge Bears nerd, she points at him and screams, oh, oh, my God, it's Kyle Orton. <laughs> and, and Rex Grossman just turned around and he gave me this like he gave us a look and he's like and he just kept walking. I'm throwing neck beard there too. That was the original uh Bears argument, the Orton versus Grossman. Remember that? Yes. Orton was only better because he was like eight inches taller. Rex yep. Rex Grossman was like Webster short. Also, Rex Grossman had the hands of Kenny Pickett, but a little bit smaller. <laughs> yeah, he was bad. Uh, I can go up mine. Uh, mine is a Chicago Cub who was a horrible person and a horrible human being, and we found that out even later. And that's Milton Bradley. Uh, I remember him catching the ball and throwing it into the stands, not knowing how many damn outs are out there, and then uh, basically blaming everybody for him sucking. Not to mention a, he's a domestic and abuser. And not a fan of the dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was another one of those, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Mm. It was Pet Carl Everettism. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Kooky Carl. Okay. I mean, as easy for me would be to choose Ozzy Gian as my choice. That would be fun. Um, but I got to go with the with the, the trash basket that I believe is arguably the number one reason why the Cubs window uh, during this world after the World Series closed up because he's a piece of shit um, human being, someone that doesn't uh, hold back his restraint and gets physical with members of the fairer sex. He should be fired into the sun a million times. We were told he was the next Barry Larkin. Um, he was really mm. not even the next Barry Pepper. So um, I, I got to go with the, the trash basket, Addison Russell. Did it's, you just make a Barry Pepper reference? Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to throw a good old Barry Pepper out there. Barry Pepper had some really good accuracy. Like, there's, a, there's a guy that could have been on our Canadian episode that you and I are, uh, are working on, Fins. Canada. <laughs> Go Canada, yeah. There he. Or here, get them beeps. So All is right, it me now. Yes, questionable character for uh, yes. for who? Uh, well, there's two. There's two names that immediately jump to mind, and they're both members, former members of the Southside team. But I got to go with Chris Sale 
primarily because of all of the shit that went down in 2016. It started with the Draco LaRoche, and the other one was Adam Eaton, by the way. You know, it started with the whole Drake LaRoche thing. Even though Chris Sale didn't call Drake LaRoche a leader, Adam Eaton did. But still, arguing about a little kid being asked not to be on the fucking field when players are there makes no goddamn sense. Second, you know, there's the whole incident in Seattle where they would not give the clubbies their tip money. Don't believe me? Look up the Ken Rosenthal article about it. Because they didn't like the way the, the Mariners changed the policy towards the clubbies. So what, you hold their fucking money, you cheap bastards? And then, and then, there's the jersey cutting incident. I really wish that Chris Sale would have been around in the 80s to do that because I am sure he would have had a broken fucking jaw doing shit like that in the clubhouse. The bull would have got him. He, oh, the bull, Kittle, Fisk. All those guys would have beat the holy hell out of them. Hey, and he, yes, the wrong guy walked out of that locker room. What's that? That was that was um, Chris Sale's quote um, when all the Kenny Williams, oh, about, when Kenny Williams and Drake LaRoche, when they kicked yes. Laroche, like the wrong guy walked out of that locker yeah. room. Yeah, you know. So for every all the damage he did in 2016, and again, the White Sox were a flawed team in 2016. They were operating under their hope methodology. Hope for health. Hope everyone stays healthy. Hope that the division comes back to you. Hope that everyone has a career year. They were totally operating under that model. I get it. But those, the, the actions of, of him and of Eaton derailed that season so fast and so furiously it wasn't funny. Just look at uh, what he did when he was in Boston. Tore up a clubhouse over nothing. He, the guy's got psychological issues. You like break a TV or something? He like tore up the whole locker room in a minor league yeah. ballpark. That, yeah, and you don't do yeah. that. And when you're a veteran, that's the last thing you do is do shit like that in front of the kids. And you're like, a that's fucking just pitcher fucking for God's sakes. Why are you throwing punches? He also right. has like one gigantic arm and one really skinny one. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting paid $30 million to act like a fucking child. That's basically what you commercials. Yeah. Not, to, not to mention like the stupid stories about like, him falling and hurting his hand when he was washing his truck. Yes. Like, like he, I, I'm totally with you. Chris Sale is probably my least favorite White Sox that's not named Adam Dunn. Oh, <laughs> See, mine is, mine would be a different Adam. It would be Adam Eaton, just because he also participated in all of that shit going on in 2016. And yeah. I'll say one more thing about Chris Sale. This was a guy who was paid to appear at, at picnic in the park now i understand it's a team event it's part of your requirement in your contract mm -hmm. guess what it sucks i get it but fucking deal with it you only have to sit there and sign for the fans for like an hour right again you're getting paid millions of dollars to do shit like yeah. that and, you, and you he gets up and leaves it. before the time is up yeah. leaving 30 40 people in the lurch like standing in line waiting to get his autograph yes fuck it i'm done and leaves fuck you <laughs> well my my pick i see i was thinking i i was thinking swisher i fucking hated swisher when he was here. <laughs> i was also thinking david wells because that guy was a fucking piece of shit when he was here i'm gonna go another way and what year was it give me one sec here in 
2001, the Chicago Bulls decided to give $30 million to the most worthless piece of shit human being that ever played in the Chicago Bulls. Eddie Robinson. It was Eddie fucking yes, Robinson. Yes, I know. <laughs> that guy did absolutely nothing but bitch and moan and make up injuries and just didn't want to be there. He didn't want to play basketball. And we're all fucking waiting. We we had to deal with Dickie Simpkins year, and then we had to deal with Kukoc getting traded for John Starks and Roger know. Mason Jr. And then they're trading. They're going to trade Elton Brand eventually. Like, get the fuck out of here! You're going to give us this guy. It's like same thing with Ron Mercer, but Eddie Robinson was just just worthless. Ron Mercer got you, Jalen Rose, though. Well, yeah. true story. Like- Dickie Simpkins used to come out to Judson all the time, and we would play pickup basketball on Sunday nights out in our gym at, at Judson. Dickie would all he rolled up in his little gray Porsche. And we would we'd all ball out like all like a bunch of guys from the team would just go in there and we just play it. Dickie was incredibly hilarious. <laughs> Side note. I I was on with uh I was on with Carrie and Steve O on uh oh, Steve on the South Side. That guy sucks. I, and I made a Dickie Simpkins reference and he Gary. just started laughing because Dickie Simpkins <laughs> actually lived in his neighborhood growing up and he was like he said he was like so mean to everybody because like, people would walk up to him and ask for autographs and shit like that and he was not a nice dude. Can you oh. imagine asking for Dickie Simpkins autograph? Right, exactly. Dude, he was a G League. Uh, he was a G League yeah, superstar. Dickie Simpkins and being up, you know, being annoyed with someone asking for your autograph. Right. Like, right. Excuse right. me, Dickie. Can I have your autograph? Hey, pal. Nah. Eddie I mean, he Robinson, was though, like Eddie Robinson was in that era when, like, you know, Eddie Curry bad. and Tyson Chandler, and like oh. it was a whole the baby bulls, and you thought it was just going to be. Like lights out, and it just never happened. Right. Uh, me and my brother went to a Bulls game. Um, it's when they had Roger Mason Jr. We always used to make fun of how bad the Bulls were. <laughs> Our Mace, baby. And uh, Eddie <laughs> Robinson started. He, he played like 37 minutes, and he had one point. <laughs> and my brother's like, this guy fucking sucks. He only has one point. <laughs> like, yeah, he was brutal. They actually cut him with like 12 million left on his deal and that back then that's a, that's a lot of money you know this yeah. was before well for any jerry reinsdorf owned team that's a lot of money <laughs> yeah that's, oh. that one hurt that one hurt you know that one hurt yikes yikes well this ended up being pretty fantastic guys i really appreciate you being on here with me um i appreciate everything you guys have done for me to get this off the off its feet um you know i i i i just i can't i can't I can't explain how much I appreciate it. This is something I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, going even back to when I was younger, out of high school, I wanted to go to broadcast school and do something like this. So, um, so even just to do this on a small level, it, it, it's a, it's a fucking treat for me, and I really I can't I can't thank you guys enough. Um, so moving forward, I'm gonna try to do weekly or bi-weekly episodes just to let everybody that's listening um the next one is going to involve thanksgiving foods we're gonna draft thanksgiving foods um i assume that's going to be a shorter episode than this one but uh <laughs> but <laughs> we're not gonna have any, Wait, any... somebody's gonna argue the merits of cranberries right, right. we're not gonna talk about how how cranberries were were uh were shooting up uh steroids and then corking bats and start <laughs> screaming at each other so <laughs> But uh, it is, is it stovetop? Those turkeys get kind of big though, bro. I I was planning on actually making, I was going to make White Castle stuffing 
Ooh. and eat it while I'm, while we're recording. Shit, now I'm hungry. Right. So that sounds so good right now. Thanks but anyway, lot. guys. Thanks I, a lot, I, dickhead. I'm on like 1,500 calories a day. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'm just kidding. I love you all. I love you too. And uh, I, I hope really you're appreciate doing it. a bad Christmas song just so Mariah can carry can get another That's number a great one idea. I know that. Book. I know Yumper and Spo and I have talked about doing a Christmas movie one, but that's that's a fantastic idea. Can have my wife sing the Yoko parts of uh, uh, "Give Peace a Chance" or whatever in the background. <laughs> if the song should go, all I want for Christmas is you to shut the fuck up, Mariah. <laughs> How do you really feel? Right. <laughs> you want to hear something hilarious? Look up "Bad Religion Christmas." They made an album a couple of years ago, and it's, oh, it's terrible and fantastic it. at the same time. But uh, hey, Brian, can I just ask a, a quick question, real quick? Yes, darling. Where can we um, find this podcast? This podcast will be available. Obviously, this recording will be on YouTube, and then we're going to be on. Uh, I'll be on uh, Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Cool. And where can where can we go to follow you to get information about the latest podcast? You can follow me on Twitter at Getting G E T T I N drafty pod at getting drafty pod you could also follow me uh my personal account at magnificent stan as you see on the recording here and uh and yeah we're gonna do many more of these and i look forward to uh to getting better at this because this was a little rocky for me starting so presence in the books hey that's the fun of it Hey, it's never pretty yeah. that first time. Sometimes yep. it's sometimes it's a, a storybook. Yeah. Sometimes it's the parking lot outside the fitness center listening to the Christmas Macarena. Sometimes so it's an hour and 50 minutes, sometimes. and sometimes it's 37 seconds during a rerun of The Office. There you go. <laughs> well, well, hopefully my... After your 100th episode. One thing, one thing for sure, though, it might be your first time, but this is an hour and 50. Usually the first time is a lot shorter. Well, I got I got good dance partners here, buddy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you'll listen seconds. after your hundredth episode. You'll listen to this and go, "Oh my god, what the hell was I what thinking? What the fuck was I thinking?" <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, and we'll we'll be back. Thank you, buddy. Don't wait for me. All right.